Bruce came up to me last month when the ladies from um, Life Choices were here, and he said, Ron, you had one job. Keep the ladies out. <laughs> I, uh, I let them in, and I said, well, I got bad news for you. There's, the spring's coming back next month, so um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where is he? There he is. Oh, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, I grew up in church. My dad was a minister, and uh, we would go in on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, and walk in, and there would be this old guy up there with the big screen. He's wearing, you know, a, a funny shirt and everything. And I would think, oh, it's missionary night. We got to listen to a missionary. <laughs> it just sounded, it was just so boring as a kid, you know. And then I grew up. <laughs> now I'm the old guy in the funny shirt. Um, but uh, I, I get it now, you know. It, it as a kid, I didn't want to hear from the missionary. I didn't want to hear about all the stuff that was going on in Africa or, or uh, Europe or wherever those guys were. Um, but it, it's so important to hear from these guys. You know, we're sending money to these people, and they're out there doing, uh, doing God's work. And we need to, we need to hear uh, about that. It's, it's so important, especially, you know, when your wife is a missions coordinator. It's uh, <laughs> you got to be on board with that. <laughs> but... Um, Anyway, we had a, an opportunity uh, last November to go to uh, Braslav, Poland um, on a, a mission trip. We had a team of eight people. We had, um, uh, let's see, we've got Lindsay Whiteside on the left there, uh, Cole Sarika, there's me, um, Naomi Simpson, Shane Williams, Madison Mitchell, uh, David Oppel, who came up here last uh, December, led music for us, and of course, Spring on the End. Um, so we just wanted to share the experiences that we had there. Um, I do have a personal note. Um, Spring was planning on going on this trip all along. Um, but um, it, we had these, uh, these missionaries come in from, uh, from Poland last summer. And after meeting with them, I decided I probably need to go on this trip too. This sounds like something that, that I should be going to. But there's one big roadblock. I couldn't go because I've only been at FedEx five years, and um, I only have two weeks of vacation, and it's it's a problem, you know, especially coming from a company where I had a lot more than that. It's been a big adjustment to only have two weeks of vacation, and uh, I told Spring, I said, there's just no way I could take off that much time to uh, to go to Poland. Well, on my fifth anniversary, which is last August 1st, my uh, my director uh, came up and she said, hey, happy work anniversary. And uh, I said, oh, thanks. I said, it's five years. I get, I get three weeks of vacation now, right? And I knew that wasn't true. I'm two years away from getting that. I said, I get, I get another week vacation. And she goes, yeah, why not? I went, are you serious? She goes, yeah, you've earned it. You, you deserve it. Why don't you take another week of vacation? I went, that is fantastic. I went home that day and told Spring. I said, hey, you know that one thing that was keeping me from going to Poland? It just got removed, and uh, I'm going to be able to do this. And I went back to work and told my director. She's a believer. She was very excited that, that she, uh, she had a part in that. So uh, uh, I just, you know, it, it, was, it, was, gift, it was a gift, and, uh, and I used it for the Lord. I was just so happy to be able uh, to do that. All right, so let me tell you about our, uh, our trip. Uh, we met with uh, Wojciech and Agnieszka uh, Kowaleski. 
Uh, Wojciech, uh, he's a, a pastor of a small church called Light Cafe in, uh, in Braslav. He is Polish. Uh, he's very outgoing. He's always smiling. Um, he, um, he's, just, he's very well-spoken. Um, he is the founder of the Golden Apple Institute. Uh, he was trained by members of Downline Ministries right here in Memphis at Harvest Church. Um, uh, so basically, Golden Apple Institute is Downline Poland. Um, the uh, Downline is um, um, a discipleship program. Uh, Adam Rhodes is, is taking part of that right now. Troy Phillips, who we support over in Little Rock, uh, went through Downline here, and he's with Downline in Little Rock, just you know, making disciples. That's that's his job. It's just a really awesome thing. So that's what uh, that's what Wojciech is doing uh, over there, as well as being a pastor. He is uh, he's over over the uh, Golden Apple Institute. So the original purpose of this trip was to take four or five people. At the time, uh, Hunter was the, actually going to uh, head up this trip, and Spring was going to be going as well. Four or five people were going to go as a vision trip to support Golden, ha- Golden Apple, just to see uh, you know, what they need us uh, to do there. But then the war broke out, you know, this time last year. War broke out in Ukraine. Ukraine is right next to uh, Poland. Millions of refugees just started leaving Ukraine and going west into Poland. Um, Poland responded with a coordinated effort to distribute these, um, these refugees uh, across the country. They didn't want them all right there at the border. They distributed them across the, uh, across the country. So Wroclaw is on the, the west side of, uh, of Poland, opposite of Ukraine. Uh, it's a city of about 750,000 people. Uh, so it's roughly the size of Memphis. Uh, they got 300,000 refugees. And, I mean, just, they were just overwhelmed with all these people. And the whole country was, but, but this city is, is where Wojciech uh, was. And they, they just they got overwhelmed. Uh, Agnes, um, his wife, uh, she's driven. She's passionate. She's always looking to serve God. Uh, when the war broke out and all these people showed up, God placed a burden on her heart to help these people. Uh, so their church, uh, Light Cafe, they own a four-story building that they had bought years ago in hopes of renovating it into, their, uh, into a new church. Uh, her vision was to take this building and turn it into a distribution center for refugees. Um, so they came to us. Uh, they came to the U.S. last summer to visit with their supporting churches. They, you know, they, they get support from Get Well. They also get support from um, Longview Point in Hernando and um, and Colonial Hills. Uh, all right here in DeSoto County. Um, so they came over here and, and just visited with the different churches that support them and told them uh, what they were doing and, and what they need. And basically they said, all right, when y'all come over, we don't want to do the vision trip. We just need help with this distribution center. Uh, so, you know, the whole focus of the trip changed. We ended up, instead of taking four or five people, we ended up taking eight people. And, uh, I mean, all they do there is hand out food and clothing. And they, they take donations, they take money and buy food and just hand it out. Um, Agnes just um, never stops looking for ways to improve uh, the operation. We got there last sat- uh, th- that Saturday. Um, she told us that the night before she had gone to dinner um, and met the mayor of uh, Braslov. This is a big deal. This is the fourth largest city in the country. 
you know, like I said, it's the size of Memphis. She sat right next to the mayor at this dinner and just started telling him about uh, the distribution center. It's called Hubska 88, which is just the address of the building. It's on Hubska Street. Uh, so Hubska 88 is uh, uh, the name of the distribution center. And uh, so he started, uh, you know, she started telling him all about what they were doing. He didn't even know they were there. You know, they have distribution centers around the city uh, that are serving these refugees. Um, but he didn't know about them, that this was a, a private institution. And he said, we're going we're gonna to get you some public funding. Um, so that's, that's just one of the ways that she's looking to, to improve uh, her operation. One day when we were there, she told us, uh, after we left, she was going to have to go to this place called uh, Bidronka at 10 o'clock that night. Bidronka is like a cross between a Dollar General and uh, like a small grocery store, like an Aldi. Uh, Bidronka means a ladybug. That's why there's a little ladybug on the, uh, uh, on the picture there. Uh, and they're all over the place. Uh, so we call it the Zloty General. Zloty is the name of their currency. So instead of Dollar General, it's the Zloty General. Um, but they're all over the place, and uh, one of them had called her and said, we've got leftover food. It's about to expire. Can you come by and pick all this up? So she went by there. She picked up some food from him, and she was hoping to, to get in with the, the company and just be able to do this, like, you know, all the time and hit every one of these bedroncas and, and get more food, just always looking for ways to, uh, uh, to get more, um, more support. Uh, so we got there. This, is, this trip was over Thanksgiving break. We got there the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Uh, the Kowaleskis uh, met us at the airport, helped us get to our apartment that we were staying in that week, uh, took us out to dinner. And over dinner, that's when uh, Agnes told us about uh, meeting the mayor. And uh, it was just, it was so exciting. Um, the next day, Sunday, we went and worshiped with them at uh, Light Cafe. This is a church. It's a small fellowship of believers. Around 40 or 50 people were there that day. They just rent out a space in an industrial center. Like I said, they've got this building, but it hasn't been finished yet. Um, it's just kind of a shell of a building. Um, but uh, So they're meeting in this um, industrial center. Uh, it was really neat. There was a missionary there named Ellie. It's actually from New Mexico. She was American. She played violin up there with the, the rest of the praise team. She spoke uh, very good Polish and English, so she interpreted for us. Uh, and then we got to sing along with all of these worship songs that were in Polish, but they had this, the words up there on the screen so we could, uh, we could see, uh, you know, what to sing. And we recognized the tunes. You know, they were, they're, just, they're the same songs that we sing but uh, uh, just in Polish. So that was, that was kind of a neat thing. But it was, uh, it was an awesome worship service. Um, I'll turn it over to you. I'm talk about Monday. I don't think this mic works. Go. <clears throat> All right, so um, this was a little side note with the trip. So we knew that we would be, our, our goal there was to work at uh, the distribution center to help and on the night we got there, when she told us about the mayor coming, she said, I'm going to need y'all to come up to the distribution center on Tuesday and help uh, clean up before the mayor comes. And he turned to her and he said, you didn't tell me you needed that. They're going to Auschwitz. And so that was the one excursion that he suggested. He goes, if you're going to bring a team all the way over here, you're only three hours from Auschwitz, you need to go. And uh, we had rental cars, and so... I listened to them, and they were kind of arguing back and forth about it, and I leaned over, and I said, we're here to help you, so we will go to Auschwitz on Monday, and we will help you on Tuesday. 
Well, the part that, that Wojciech knew that he just looked at me like, I hope that works out, because you have to apply to go to Auschwitz. You have to send ID of everybody that goes. Auschwitz has to approve you, and then you get to buy the ticket to go. So the process of getting there, especially bringing an English-speaking team, that means you've got to have somebody that speaks English to guide you through the guided tour of Auschwitz. I pretty much thought, you know, Lord, if we don't get to do this, it's okay. I know what it took to get the tickets and to be able, I mean, sitting there on a Saturday night thinking it's going to be closed on Sunday and we're going to be going on Monday and there's no way to get a hold of them and say, can we come? And so we just went on faith and it was, it was amazing how God showed up. I, I tell you, the difference of going on a trip when people are praying for you and you're on a mission trip, you just feel the prayers. I mean, I wasn't tired the whole time I was there. Lindsay Whiteside um, asked somebody at the Hernando Church, said, one of my friends went up to her and said, I've grown up with spring, so be honest with me. What was it like to go on a mission trip with her? And she, her one comment was, Miss Melanie, spring wore me out. She went to bed later than I did, and she was up cheerful every morning waking us up. And I laughed that that was the one thing she came up with because I knew it was all God because there is no way I could have kept that schedule for 10 days and been, you know, completely uh, just, it was like God was just carrying us through the whole thing. But um, we ended up going to Auschwitz on Monday, and it was a three-hour drive, but we got caught in traffic on the interstate, and um, we ended up taking four hours to get there. So we get there, and according to their website, their English-speaking tours had already happened for the day. So we get there at 1230 and I just said, guys, I'm just going to go see what happens. Well, it's not an easy process to get to the desk where they can actually get you the tickets. I had to go through security and nobody would go. They said, nobody can go with you. You have to go by yourself. So I had a copy of the tickets. I go up to this booth and um, we end up getting um, this uh, speaker I mean, this guy's standing there, and he says, um, can I help you? And I tell him the situation. I said, I have eight Americans. We're supposed to be here tomorrow, but our plans change. Is there any way we can get an English-speaking tour? And he goes, hold on a minute. He turns around. He does something on his computer. He makes a phone call, and he comes back, and he says, okay, your tour guide will be here in 30 minutes. Um, and I said, really? And he said, yes. And he said, it will be a private tour for the eight of you. And I was just, like, floored. So we get this woman, which I realize um, this is a picture of her. I, I, unfortunately, I cannot say her name, and I didn't write it down, so I just wrote our tour guide on here. But basically, we wore headphones in English, which for somebody who wears hearing aids, it was really nice to have the headphones because it didn't matter how far behind you got the tour guide. She's talking into a microphone in your ear. And her the, the amazing way that she could just spill out details was just unbelievable. And I realized at the end of the tour that she was on this video that I watched in preparing to go to Auschwitz. They interviewed why they interviewed people and asked the question, why I work at Auschwitz. And she had shared her story, but I couldn't remember all of it because they had like eight people sharing their story on this video. I just remember watching the video at home and crying before I went at just the enormity of what they've done to preserve Auschwitz so that people can go and see that it really happened. I mean, there's still people that say it didn't happen. And they have preserved that place to the point that there is no way. I'll, I you know, just want to say to somebody, you go there. You go there, and then you tell me it didn't happen, okay, because it happened. But, um, like, this picture right here is the shoes. I mean, you know, just there's so many stories. But 
um, just the rooms of shoes, they have a room of nothing but hair, and they're preserving it under lighting so the hair doesn't disintegrate. It is 75 years old, and it's all the hair that they cut off of people's heads when they entered Auschwitz. So um, this slide tells at the end of Birkenau, so we went to Auschwitz one and had the guided tour, and then we got on a bus, and we went to Birkenau, and um, at, the, at the final monument at Birkenau is this plaque, and it's written in... I think 23 languages. 23 different languages. And they want everyone that goes there to be able to read this plaque. So this is the English version, and it says, Forever let this place be a cry of despair and a warning to humanity where the Nazis murdered about one and a half million men, women, and children, mainly Jews, from various countries of Europe. And then it says, Auschwitz, Birkenau, 1940 to 1945. And, um, and then at the end of the tour... We're walking out, and this woman had not asked for questions. She had talked the entire time because she knew she was on a time frame. So at the very end, when she said, your tour is complete, we had to take the walk, which would have been the walk that the prisoners took when they got out of the... You see on all the pictures of Auschwitz, they get off of the train, and then they have to take what they call the death walk to the gas chambers, and they think they're going to the showers, and they're literally getting off the train and going to the death chambers. But we were taking that walk back. And I, I ran up to her and I said, can I talk to you about um, this experience we just had? And she said, what do you, and she was very matter of fact, what do you have to say or what do you want to ask? And I said, I want to know, were you working today? Because we had a tour for tomorrow and I just want to know, um, you know, was this part of your plan? And she looked at me and she goes, no, I was at home playing with my dogs and they called me and said they had an English speaking tour and could I come in? And I was just like... Wow. And I just looked at her and I said, thank you so much. I said, that just meant so much to our team to get the uh, English speaking tour. And she just looked at me and I said, I have another question for you. Uh, do you have a family member that's a survivor of the of Holocaust? And she looked at me and tears came in her eyes and she said, yes, I do. A distant relative. And that is why I do what I do. And I said, well, I saw your interview on the internet of why you work at Auschwitz. And it just now, I realized it was you. And she just smiled and she just looked at me and she said, go back home and tell everyone in America that it happened and never forget, never forget what happened here. So that was just, whew, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, we, we could spend the whole time up here talking about Auschwitz, but that wasn't the purpose of the trip. So yeah. um, if you ever want to know anything about it, I'm, I, you know, either I would be happy to tell you uh, everything that uh, that went on at, at Auschwitz. It's it was it was a life changing tour. Um, okay, so Tuesday we went to the uh, to the distribution center. Uh, we spent the whole day cleaning, organizing all the uh, clothing donations, getting everything ready uh, for the next day, um, preparing food bags. They have all the food that they keep down on the on the first floor. We brought it up to the second floor. Got everything bagged up uh, to be able to hand out uh, the next day. Um, so starting on Wednesday <clears throat> was when uh, it was open. They're open three days a week. Uh, they're the only distribution center in the, the city that's open three days a week. The rest of them are just open one day. Uh, but th they said they've, they've never run out of clothes. They've never run out of food. They're always able to, to serve these people. Um, they would take donations of clothing, you know, kind of like Goodwill or whatever. But the, uh, the food, they would always buy it at a... Uh, a place called Cellgross, uh, uh, kind of, uh, it's kind of like a, a Costco uh, that we have over here. Um, 
So they buy these huge bags of fruits and vegetables, uh, sandwich meat, flour, rice, canned goods, um, and just bag it up and hand it out. Uh, the refugees would just browse through the clothes and just take what they need. Um, and, you know, they're not accepting money for anything. Everything is just, you know, take what you need. <clears throat> the, uh, the center is almost completely volunteer-driven. I think there's just one person that's uh, on staff uh, there. Um, so Agnes is the, uh, she's the, the director. Well, actually, I guess Alex is the director. Agnes, she says she works for Alex. <laughs> um, do we have Alex's? Yeah, okay, Alex's picture there. Uh, Alex is Russian. He's, a, he's actually a Russian uh, missionary. And um, he had a vision um, two years ago. Is that when it was? Two years ago, he had a vision from God that uh, this war was about to happen, and then he needed to get in position to, uh, to support uh, the refugees. So he moved from Russia to Poland just to be ready for uh, what eventually ended up happening. So he's the only, uh, only paid staff at, at the distribution center. Um, most of the volunteers there are Ukrainian refugees themselves, which is really neat. You know, these are people that have, they've come over, they've lost everything, but they came over there and they found jobs, and on their days off they would go up there and support their fellow uh, Ukrainian refugees. Uh, so that was um, uh, just a, a really neat thing. Um, let's say our job during the week was just uh, simply to join them in their work. They were just doing what they do every week, but we were there just to, to provide a little relief to, to the workers and be able to you know, do some of the manual labor and, and just hand out the food. And, and uh, the, uh, the distribution center had a, a small um, little children's area, little playroom. Uh, so some of the younger people in our group would go up there and uh, and uh, play with the kids while their parents were, uh, or their, usually just their mother or their grandparents, uh, would uh, would pick out clothes and and you know gather the the groceries. And sometimes they had paperwork to fill out. Uh, who do we have up there? Christian is up there. Christian is uh, a retired police officer that uh, goes to Light Cafe. He's he's Polish, and. Um, he would, uh, they had this big uh, sprinter van. He would go just about every day to, um, uh, to the grocery store and to other places where they were getting donations and just fill up this van and bring it up there. And he was, you know, unloading. And he, he was so gracious to have us here. He was so happy that we were helping him, you know, unload all this. That was like 2,200 pounds worth of groceries that we were unloading one day. And uh, he said, yeah, if y'all weren't here, I'd be doing this myself. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that is crazy. He does it all the time and, and just completely volunteered. And like I said, he's retired uh, and would just come up there and just, just help those guys out. Um, let's see. Okay, Wednesday. Hmm? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a, this was a picture that was on the, uh, on the fridge in the distribution center on the, uh, the level where all the volunteers would come in. They had a refrigerator up there. And somebody had driven, uh, had drawn uh, this picture. If you look on there, um, there's uh, Russian missiles coming down. And um, the, the Ukrainians are the ones in the yellow and blue, the little family that's down there. And between them is uh, an umbrella. It's a Polish flag. Uh, and so it's just saying, you know, Poland is protecting us from Russia. 
And uh, then below that it says Jinkuye, which is Polish for uh, thank you. It was just a really moving thing that, uh, that somebody had drawn. Um, I don't know, it just, it just meant a lot to me, just seeing that, just knowing, you know, they are so appreciative of, of the Polish to be able to, uh, to have a place of refuge. Um, oh, this is All you. Right. So we went to the distribution center on Wednesday, and the three days we had planned to work there were Wednesday through Friday. Now, Ron made a statement that they... Uh, provide food and clothing and they, you know, don't run out and that that's all they do. And that is not all they do. I'm just going to correct him on that because Agnieszka and the volunteers have relationships with many of these. Now, remember, it started, the war started in February of 2022. And so we were there in November. So we're looking at 10 months of after the war. So the relationships had been formed and they started with 2,000 people when we got there they were feeding or providing uh, stuff for a little over a thousand so they've been about cut in half so many of the refugees either were going somewhere else or they had gotten jobs and they weren't needing the uh, items that they were giving out at the distribution center but on the first day we were there Agnieszka is always very observant of what's happening and she said it's cold and I don't have enough room inside the building for them to wait and sometimes they would be waiting up to an hour to get items that they desperately need and so she told Cole and uh, Madison go downstairs to the basement and turn on the water and let's go give them hot tea and so uh, this picture well this was me this was actually me and Madison at Selgros which is like the Costco we got up early and Madison and I went and met uh, Christian and uh, Shane and Madison and I were kind of the food people. Like, we made sure that we did what we were supposed to be doing for them for the food. So we met him early at Selgros to get um, all of the items he needed. And then the next pictures are of the team handing out tea in the courtyard. And there were a lot of people waiting. Um, it opened at 10 o'clock. Was it 10 or 11? Really 11. One thing we found out about Polish people, they're not real big on time. So we would get nervous because people have been waiting, and they'd be like, oh, let them wait. They can wait a little longer. You know. So they weren't real strict on when they opened. So that's why sometimes they would open earlier than later, and sometimes it would be later. Um, so on Wednesday at the distribution center, um, Shane and Ron were making uh, hamburgers on the grill. There was no oven there, and we knew ahead of time we were going to have to think of things we could make on a grill or on a stovetop. And in the next, the other picture is Olga and Madison in the kitchen singing praise songs. And Olga is kind of over the kitchen, and she's this really kind of hefty, loud Ukrainian woman that you don't want to cross, you know, the wrong way. You want Olga to be your friend. And she just started singing under her voice, and Madison recognized the tune. And so Madison is singing in English, and Olga is singing in Ukrainian. And it was beautiful. And so I... I videoed the two of them singing in the kitchen, and they were preparing items in the kitchen for the hamburgers, like the items that were going with it, and then while the guys were cooking. Also, every morning, um, they ask a different team member to lead a devotional before they open the center, and on the first day, they asked David to lead, and David just knocked it out of the park. He did a wonderful job leading the devotional that day for the team while everybody was waiting to come in. And then on Thursday, uh, here's a picture of all of us eating lunch. So they close for um, about 45 minutes. They have the first round of people that show up between 11 and 1. And then we eat lunch at 1. And then they open back up around 145. 
and they have the next round of people come in the afternoon because there's no way to get that many people through there in that short a time, and they were fast. It was like the food had to be on the plate, ready to go, and we sat down and we ate, and then everybody brought their plate back to the kitchen, and then we opened the doors. It was very quick. And then the next picture is the whole team downstairs in the basement, and this is where we unloaded all the food um, on the pallets every day. And then Madison took this picture of, she went early one morning to this farmer's market with Agnieszka and Christian, to get items that were donated. And she was just amazed at the cases of, one thing we had never seen is cases of beets. Um, beets are a staple in Poland and Ukraine, and they make everything out of beets, which caused some of our team to go, ugh. But, you know, beet stew is actually pretty good. You know, if you don't know there's beets in there, you know, I thought it was pretty good. Um, but uh, anyway, and so this other picture here is all of us. The first day we took that picture. Oh, no, I'm sorry. On Thursday we took that picture with the people that worked there. Um, to put some hum human touch to who we were working with, um, we had um, met this lady named Alicia. And Alicia came to me the first day, and despite the fact that she couldn't speak the language, she shows me a video, and she said, my city, Maripool. So Maripool is where she lived. And she was showing me this video, and it looked like a commercial of this beautiful city. And I'm, like, looking at it. And then, she, and then she said, she put her finger up, and she goes, wait. And then she shows me the second video. The second video is the exact same beautifully filmed video, but it was what Maripool looks like now. And it was just buildings just demolished. And she showed storefronts where the glass was all out. And then she got a tear in her eye, and she looked at me, and she said, I can't go back. And she said that her father was there, and she had come to Poland with her 13-year-old. And uh, one of the things unique about Alicia is she was in the TV. She, she did commercials, and she was pretty famous in Ukraine. And they have the Ukrainian TV station she works for has advised her not to go back into the country because she would be so easily recognizable, and um, it could be dangerous for her because she is kind of famous in the Ukraine. Um, and then the other woman that we met was Oksana, and she started telling us that she worked with dogs and that she danced with dogs, and we thought she was kidding. We thought we were missing something in translation until she pulls up her Facebook page and shows me these pictures of her. And this is what she did in Ukraine was she entered these dog competitions and danced with her dogs, and she won all these awards. So we had a big laugh out of that that we really didn't. She really did dance with dogs. <laughs> Um, and then I'm going to let Ron tell yeah. about this last one. Well, the point about those, uh, those two stories is that, you know, these people were just living their lives. They were just like us. They had jobs. They had lives. And then, you know, all of a sudden, every, they, they've just lost everything. You know, their, their husbands are back fighting the war. They had to just take off with their kids and their, their parents, you know, bring an elderly with them. Um, and they just gave up everything. And it was just... You know, you see these people in need, but, but to realize that just a few months earlier, they didn't know anything like this was going to happen. It was just, it was really heartbreaking. Uh, but yeah, there was a kid, uh, you can see him in the picture here, the one in the orange vest down there. Uh, his name was Clean. Uh, he's eight years old. His mother and his sister both volunteer there. And um, he would come there every day after school, and uh, he just, he stole the hearts of everybody on the team. He was just a, this really happy kid. He, you know, he didn't speak a, a lick of English, and of course, we don't speak Ukrainian. Uh, but we, we had a, we always had fun with him, um, and uh, we had, um, 
we had brought gifts that we planned to give uh, to the volunteers and their families on Saturday. Spring will be talking about that in a little bit. Um, but we thought, oh, we've got to have something special for Clean. Clean has to have, you know, a special gift. So we were in, in one of the stores one time, and we're looking around. We saw a Lego set. I'll also get him a Lego set. And, um, well, that, uh, that Friday, we were uh, putting together, we bought this uh, bookshelf at Ikea, and we were uh, uh, putting it together uh, for them to be able to store uh, some, of their, uh, some of the goods on. Uh, so David and I are down on the floor putting this, uh, this shelving unit together, and uh, Clean just joins right in. He, he grabs a, a screwdriver. He goes over to the instructions, and he's looking through them because it's all pictures. It's Ikea. So he's looking at the instructions like we were, and he starts helping us. Um, put it together, and I said something to his sister. I said, he's a, a good worker, and uh, she said, yeah, he loves to build. I said, really? And she goes, yeah, his favorite thing is Legos. <laughs> We're like, that's what we got him. <laughs> you know, so it was just, it was a cool thing that we had bought him something, and we were going to give it to him the next day, but that was exactly what, uh, what he would have wanted. So, um, let's Oh, okay, yeah, the generator. Yeah, the last day that we were there, uh, Agnes came. Uh, she showed up, and she told us that she had uh, just picked up a generator that somebody had donated. Um, she was excited about it. You know, normally people are coming by with, uh, with just clothes and shoes and stuff like that, and um, somebody called and said, we've got a generator, and we don't know what to do with it. And she's like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you know, generators are very important in Ukraine, you know, because Russia's knocking out the power grid and stuff like that, and then they just need generators just to be able to, you know, to live. And uh, she said, I've got this generator. I don't know how to get it back to Ukraine. Well, uh, at the end of the day, the very last refugee that came through there uh, was picking up uh, just supplies and everything, and uh, he told her, he said, uh, he said, I've got to have all these supplies because I'm going back to the Ukraine this weekend and she said what are you going back for and he goes well I've got three generators and I'm taking them back to Ukraine <laughs> and she said do you have room for a fourth and he goes well yeah yeah I could put another one in there <laughs> so just like that same day I mean God just provides you know um, the same day that she gets a generator for the first time she finds somebody that's going back to Ukraine and and uh, is taking generators. So she knows that that got to, to somebody in need back in Ukraine. She was very excited about that. Yeah. And then our last day there was our Thanksgiving. So they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. So we waited till Saturday, and they brought all the refugees and the members of Light Cafe back. And we had been told it would be about 45 people, and it actually ended up being over 50. And somehow it was like the feeding of the 5,000. We, we ended up with enough food, but we were panicked about the food. And I, I put this picture in here especially for um, Madison and Shane because we could not have done it. Madison and Shane split up, and half the team went with one and half the team went with the other, and we made the food. We had to figure out how to make green bean casserole without cream of mushroom soup. They don't have anything like cream of mushroom soup over there. So fortunately, we found a recipe where we could just put ingredients together and make that work. But we had Shane cooked four chickens we couldn't find turkey and um so we had church we had chickens and then we set up the tables the rest of the team did the decorating here's pictures from our saturday thanksgiving meal um 
I had an activity where they traced their hand and made like a turkey on a piece of construction paper. And I told them that if you were learning about Thanksgiving in America, this is one of the first things you would do. And you write what you're thankful for on each finger. And of course, I had samples on the table because they didn't understand how to make a hand into a turkey, which you you think about it's kind of silly, but it's what we do, you know, in children's ministry. So they all had their thankful things. And then we created a puppet show, which I have to tell you, our team did not practice a lot on this puppet show, but they did an amazing job. And we left the puppets with them. They were very excited that we left the puppets. But the funniest part of the puppet show was the translator was a guy named Merrick. And so the puppets are talking, and then Merrick is saying it in Ukrainian. And he was so animated. The whole audience was laughing at him. And the puppets were cute, but when he was translating what the puppets were saying, it was even more amazing. So that worked out really well. And then David led us in some praise and worship songs, and the man who leads worship at the Light Cafe came up to him afterwards and said, would you share your music with me? You're singing some songs we don't sing. So he was able to share that with him. And then Lindsay shared um, a little uh, sermonette, if you will, on Psalms 23 after our time of worship. So it was a really nice two-hour Um, worship and Thanksgiving celebration that we were able to share with them. And that was kind of the last thing that we did with them before we left. And uh, one thing I want to add is while we were there, we took a suitcase to Brandon. Uh, We found out about him through Longview Point, that he was a missionary from Memphis. His dad is a pastor of an African-American church in Memphis, and they had been trying to get little Debbie snack cakes to him while he was over there and he they kept getting them delivered and what happens they don't have a mail system like us so if you're not at your apartment they they basically won't deliver it and so they had lost I don't know how many little Debbie snack cakes in the mail so he was so happy when we brought him a suitcase full of little Debbies Um, but he was an amazing young man he's with the international mission board with the Baptist and he was so happy to see southerners so we spent some time with him while we were there All right, this is um, kind of the what can we do now. Um, We continue to pray for protection, provision, and for the war to end. Um, We can give on Shelby Next app by contributing to disaster relief, or you can write a check to Get Well Church and note that it is for disaster relief. Um, The reason we need to send a check instead of giving you an online way to give is because they take fees from the credit card when you do it online, and it loses money for them. They asked us, they said, would you not give online anymore? Would you just send us a check? Because we get all of the check. And then um, we were noting while we were there that $800 feeds 120 people a week, and they consider that like one pallet of food. Um, So that was kind of, you know, about kind of what happens. Now, what's happening now as a result of the work we did there is Ron and I are working with Chick-fil-A to do a trivia night, and um, they are getting back with us next week about promoting this uh, event. It'll be at both Chick-fil-A's, and we may be, Chick-fil-A may be presenting a check to Poland on our behalf as a result of doing that, and it would be some publicity for Agnieszka and what's happening in there. And Madison has been making presentations at North Point, and in the next week, they're doing a full week of fundraisers, and she presented I prayed for her on Tuesday. She was making a presentation to um, several people there, and they are going to have their goal is to have every grade at North Point raise a thousand dollars for um, the distribution center. So one of the things we took away from it is that what can we do here? We can we can give, and that was the big thing they need. The food ran out during Christmas, and she sent us a picture of an empty warehouse and said, "This has never happened since we started." 
And um, she said, please pray for us because we need to be able to feed people. So um, a lot of those people have gotten jobs. Um, Agnesha has been able to help them get jobs. So we hope this will play out at some point and they won't need the distribution center. But I just wanted to make sure y'all knew that that's kind of where we're at. And we're just so grateful for the opportunity to get to go. Thank y'all.